Well, today we are continuing a series of messages that we have been on for the last several weeks. And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, maybe you're tuning in online or you're here in person, uh, I, we just know and trust that God has something in special store for you today. And if there's anything that we can do for you, please don't af- be afraid to ask uh, any of us that are here. I'll be through these doors right after the service. Those of you that are online, uh, you can send private messages through the chat or you can call the church, send an email. Uh, but we just want to let you know that we are here for you. Uh, I did talk to some of our members this week uh, and was asking them, um, they, we ended up running into each other and they said, yeah, we haven't been back to in-person worship. And I said, well, we know some people are watching online because maybe you have a, a health issue or a loved one has a health issue or you work at a place where, where you're just susceptible to things. And I was surprised how many this week told me this. They just said, well, the reason we haven't been coming back is because we just don't want to get out of our pajamas, okay? <laughs> So if that's you and you're watching online, that's okay. Just so you know, we love you. We're just glad you're giving up an hour of your time to join us. Our mantra here at Shepherd's Gate has always been options over opinions. And so we just know and trust, and we love the fact that we have all of this technology as well and all the people that, that take the time to run it so that we can do this. Uh, we also know there's several people that actually watch later on demand. So if you're not able to be here in person or join us live, you can always go on our website and watch the messages later. Some watch later Sunday night, some watch Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but we're just so glad that we have the opportunity to get the word of God out. Amen? Amen. So uh, those of you that have been with us the last few weeks, you know that on our website or our app, we've been going through First uh, Peter, which is a letter that was written by Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples. This is one of the three that Jesus tells us was, was extremely close to him. And uh, as we have been unfolding this, one of my goals from the very beginning is to read every single word of First Peter during our time together. But as we were looking at today, today we were supposed to cover 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 all the way to 22. And then for the next two weeks, we're going to do 1 Peter chapter 4, the whole chapter, and then end on the 31st with 1 Peter chapter 5. And as you know, we have really been digging into the text. We've been really taking our time in, in, ex, in expanding and expounding on what it is that God is speaking to us. And also, the team also let me know that there's no way in the world I would ever get through reading every word to you because you would be here for two to three hours, okay? So we came up with this crazy idea. You ready for this? We're gonna expand the sermon series another three weeks so that we can stick on task of actually reading through all of it together. So how does that sound? Does that sound okay? All right. Good, because you really don't have a choice, do you, right? So... I'm glad there was about 10 of you that clapped uh, and the rest of you, you'll be on. But it's so good. There's so much in 1 Peter and it's so rich and you'll see again today how God's word has the power to change and transform our lives. And so if you want to grab one of the chair Bibles that's in front of you, if you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you're watching online and you have the chat open, you can click on the Bible tab. Type in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to condense it today. We're going to do 8 to 16, verses 8 to 16. And uh, we're following along in the ESV Bible translation. Now, I forgot to make a slide like I normally do. So what page is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 on? Who can shout it out for me? 1,015. So if you have one of the chair Bibles, if you don't have a Bible or the one that you have, you need a new one, please take the Bible home with you today. We have tons of Bibles. We love giving these away for free. So please uh, do that today. But let's just jump right into it. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. He says, finally, all of you, 
And so what he's doing is he's kind of having this recap statement of everything that we've been over the last few weeks because he's been pointing out different groups of people. Even last week, he talked specifically to wives and husbands. And so now he's grouping everyone together. We're all in this together. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That's a lot just in that one verse. Those of you with kids in the kids program, if you're, if you're a parent or a grandparent, I also want to let you know that each week we are now going to put this little logo in the corner. See this where it says SG Kids? This is the key verse that our kids are focusing on this week. So every week, even though we're doing a, a longer text, they are focusing on one verse. And so this is what your kids are learning right now. So all the parents said, because we want our kids to have sympathy, brotherly love for their siblings, <laughs> tender hearts, and a humble mind, parents. Because yeah. you know where this is going, right? That means that we also, too, have to have sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And this whole idea of unity is found all throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture. In fact, all of, of Paul's letters to all the churches that he wrote to always included something about the church and reminding the church to be unified. It even goes back to the Old Testament. You can look in Psalm 133 where it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. When those who, who, who say they have faith in Jesus Christ and they're centered around the gospel, they're centered around the cross, and, and they realize what it is that Jesus has done for us, that God wants his church to be united on this earth. But the unity that we have may look different than maybe what you think it should look like. What binds us together is our faith in Jesus Christ and what it is that, that he is doing in and through our lives. In fact, one example of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth where he said this, let there be some divisions among you. No, it says, let there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So what he's saying here is in the way that, that we live our lives, in how we walk this earth, in our interactions with other people. And so what kind of forces us to pause right here at the beginning with kind of this first verse from 1 Peter and these support scriptures is this. How do we stay united in such a divided time? How does the church stay united? And I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about this. We live in a culture that is constantly us versus them. A versus B. You name it. I mean, you know it. It's out there, and, it, and it's this constant in our face 24-7. And yet we serve a God who says, this is what's going on in the world in which you live. Oh, by the way, it's no different than the world in which Peter is writing this letter and what they were going through and the divisions that were in their time. Yeah, and oh, by the way, they didn't have something called the Constitution, and they didn't have something called the Bill of Rights. In fact, they didn't have any rights at all. In fact, Christians, and you're going to see this in the coming weeks, were insanely persecuted for their faith. And so what is he doing? He's calling the church to rise above all of the dysfunction in the world in which they live, and he's saying, I want the church to be united. I want our brothers and sisters to be united and to be united and centered on Christ. 
So how do we stay united in such a difficult time? And this is what's really cool because Peter, as we go through this text, is gonna answer this question for us. I'll start by telling you this. We actually have to know our true enemies. Who are our enemies? And sometimes we get this confused as well. We think our enemy is our spouse. We think our enemy is our kids. We think our enemy is maybe a sibling that we're not getting along with, or it's a coworker, or it's a boss, or it's a neighbor, because we're fighting about our boundaries and the property lines in our neighborhood. This is what scripture makes clear about who the real enemy is. I love this, it's found in Ephesians. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, just pause there for a moment. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Everyone on this earth is created in the image of God. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is working on every human heart, trying to draw them to the foot of the cross to realize what it is that Christ has done for them when he stretched out his arms, when he bled, and when he shouted out, it is finished, so that he could walk out of that tomb and defeat sin, death, and the devil for us. Our struggle is not against other human beings. This is what it is. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we're gonna learn more about this in the coming weeks as well, that there is a devil, and he has demons, and he is out to destroy us. He is out to wreak havoc on our families. He's out to wreak havoc in our communities. He wants nothing more than the church to be divided. And let me tell you, he's been around a long time and he's pretty crafty because he's been practicing since the garden with Adam and Eve and he knows the things that he can dangle in front of us. He knows how to trip us up. He knows that if he can get us just to go inch by inch, sin by sin, little white lie by little white lie, slowly but surely we get off the plan that he has for us. And I'm telling you this, he loves nothing more than to wreak havoc on his church, to get people within the church to be at war with one another. In the words that we say, in the opinions that we have on things that happen outside the church. And how many of us would be willing to be open and honest that maybe there's some friendships within the church that have been tainted or maybe they've been scarred because of the events of the last 18 to 20 months. Maybe it wasn't because something, somebody said something, maybe it was because of the way someone behaved. Or all of a sudden you saw somebody post something and you said, oh, so now I really truly know how they feel or how they think. And it caused a wedge, and it's a wedge that now makes you pause and have caution in that friendship or in that relationship. But yet God always calls his church back to repentance. In fact, in our text, it says this. Peter gives us these instructions, okay? This is how he says we are to live. You do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, which is really insult for insult. I want you to think about that. We don't repay evil for evil. So even if someone's evil to us, we don't repay them evil. And if someone is literally insulting us, we keep our mouths shut. But on the contrary... See, the Holy Spirit's at work when you guys get quiet, just so you know. But on the contrary, what are we to do? How do we bless? 
Go ahead, give me some examples. Grace, pray is a great one. Love, forgiveness. It's tough, isn't it? I mean, this is not easy. It is not easy to, to, to live this life that, that he has called us to, but I'm telling you, he has a better plan. When we pull up and we pull apart from all the chaos and uncertainty and, and negativity that's always around us, it's crazy that when you live in this realm, all of a sudden there are blessings. That when we learn to bless every single person we come in contact with, that not only are they blessed, it says that we also obtain a blessing. And people that get this, I mean, they, the, the reason they're so good at this is because they know how it makes them feel as well. They understand scripture, that even the harshest person, that even the person that's having the worst day or someone that seems like they're coming at them or attacking them, and they're able to just take a situation and diffuse it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we have people that are trained, right, to go and diffuse bombs. There are people that literally, by the Holy Spirit, have the ability to diffuse tense and difficult situations. I would say that God has actually equipped all of us to be diffusers of difficult and tense situations. But the hard part is getting the focus off ourselves and being so easily offended and always thinking that we're the victim and instead saying, okay, God, there's this person and man, they're nasty. Tim, I work with a coworker and you don't understand. This person is awful. They may be the devil themselves. Right? You don't work with that. You get to come here to Sweet Old Shepherd's Gate and be around the staff and everybody believes in Jesus and everything's great, which is true. My Monday through Saturday is so stress-free. I, there's nothing ever comes about anywhere, anything. I never deal with anything other than on Sunday mornings. Come on, let's be honest, right? And so you're saying this person is so difficult to deal with. And yet, imagine the Holy Spirit giving you eyes for that person, to look at that person not as someone that you got to be combative with, but to have a heart so much for this person, you say, this person is so caught up in their insecurity and in their sin and in the darkness of their lives because they don't know Jesus. And I'm gonna begin to pray for this person. And every time I see this person, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that would be encouraging to them. Or I'm gonna send encouraging emails or I'm gonna write them cards and encourage them. Whatever it may be, I'm gonna continue to bless this person even in the midst of all of their difficulty, what would that do to the relationship? Because watch what, watch what it is that Peter teaches us about this. He actually got this teaching from Jesus, right? All, all of scripture is God-breathed, and so Peter certainly knew these words of Jesus. Jesus said it this way, love your, man, love my enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Jesus, come on, that's tough. Bless those who curse you. So now someone's coming at me, someone's attacking me, someone's attacking my reputation, someone's coming after my family, and he says, no, you go ahead and bless them, and then you pray for those who actually mistreat you. Pray for them. Ask God. Think of this, and and I've had to do this before, when sometimes I get so angry at another human being to not only pray for the person, but then to ask God to bless that person. Some of you, I get it, you've been wounded. 
Someone has, has scarred you, and certainly this doesn't mean that they just have open season to, to say and do whatever they want. There's certainly boundaries that need to be in place if you're in an abusive relationship. But for most of us, this has been going on for far too long, and we are, we're getting sucked into the society. We're getting sucked into the negativity. I mean, ask yourself, when you wake up in the morning, and if you happen to have people in your home, and you're having breakfast, what is the conversation that you're having? Does everyone just share what they read in the news that morning? Oh, did you see what happened over here? Right? Well, I read this. And it's all just negative. It's just negative, negative, negative. Or you come together for lunch or later on when you're together at dinner and this time you're, maybe your kids are there with you and all they hear you is talking about all the negative things going on in our society. And we wonder why our kids have the outlook that they have. We wonder why they think that there's no hope for them and in the future that God would have for them. I can tell you this, the world's not gonna get any better, okay? You really have to understand this. The world, it's scriptural, it tells us it is only going to get worse until Jesus comes back. Don't put any of your faith, hope, or time that this world is ever going to get better. Put your faith, hope, and time into Jesus and in your relationship with him and live your life in such a way that you are, yes, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, a foreigner or an alien in this world. And watch as the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and your life and bring joy and peace into your life. See, this is what Peter does next. He goes back to the Old Testament. He finds a, a scripture in Psalms. And he says, I want to drive home my point on these first few verses so much that I want to I quote a scripture from the Psalms. And so this is what he does. He goes back to Psalm 34. And he says this, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, Anyone want to love life and see good days? Anyone wish that for, you, for yourself and your family? Ready for this? Buckle your seatbelts. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Stop lying. Let him turn away from evil, here it is again, and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God sees you. God knows your place of work. God knows your neighborhood. God knows your family. He has not abandoned you. He can see the situation that you're in. His ears are open to your prayers. When you pray, God hears your prayers. And here's the really cool part. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He'll deal with those people. He's the one that takes revenge. He's the one that, that, that puts them in, in the places that they should be and, and administers justice on our behalf. Our job, again, to love and to bless and to pray for and to wait for God, the Holy Spirit, to do something in that person's life and to turn them around and to bring them to faith, which is the greatest miracle we could ever see happen this side of heaven, amen? amen. And I know this isn't easy, I know that even hearing these words, probably lots of things that, that have come up in your mind, maybe even on your drive here today or this week or this month. I know for me even reading this and, and being convicted by this, it was a short time ago, I was actually in the car with my two boys. They were in the back seat. And we were driving along, having a great old day, when all of a sudden, someone decided to cut me off. Can you imagine that? Who cuts off a pastor, right? 
need a big old cross on the hood of my car. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone cuts me off and instantaneously something flew out of my mouth. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, it was not a blessing. <laughs> and I laid on my horn and my boys in the back began giggling. And this is how they know that what I said was wrong because they know and they're smart enough to not repeat the word back to me. They spell the word <laughs> back to me. And of course, like all dads, I said, let's just keep this between us <laughs> guys, okay? Sorry, overreacted. When you know it was a few days later, a Sunday, as a matter of fact. Here we are in church, singing, praying. We had communion that day, all, everything. God be praised. And we decided that we were gonna go out to eat after service as a family. And so my wife and I, we drive separately and the boys ended up going with her in her car and so I was in my car by myself and here we are on our way to the restaurant. And you know how it is when you're trying to follow somebody, there's always cars that get in between and so there was a car in front of me, and there was my car, a car behind me, and then my wife and two kids. And wouldn't you know that for whatever reason, the car in front of me slammed on their brakes, which then of course forced me to slam on my brakes, which then forced the car behind me to slam on its brakes, and then of course my wife slamming on her brakes to the point of that we almost got in this huge accident. And wouldn't you know that my wife said to the boys, I'm so sorry, are you guys okay? And they said, yes. And they said, we know what dad just said. <laughs> and of course, my wife, Lisa, said, well, what was that, boys? And good thing they, you know, the spelling be apparently. Uh. <laughs> so when we pulled into the parking lot of the restaurant, you can imagine as they're running up to me and they're literally saying, Dad, did you say? <laughs> they're watching. They're listening. This is where the word of God convicts us. This is where sometimes we just gotta be open and honest. And this is why I love scripture because it does exactly that. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. It doesn't mean we get it always right. But it's when we're in this perpetual state of always being negative, always seeing the dark side of life, always seeing the dark side of other human beings. Sure, we're gonna fall, we're gonna fail, we're gonna screw up. You know what? Confess it, confess it to whoever you need to confess it to and move on. And the next time around, think about how you can bless someone. I mean, what if every time someone slammed with their brakes or cut us off, we had some code way of blessing them, like bless you in the name of Jesus, or God help them today, or whatever that is. God, how would you put those things in our lives? And then be an example to those that we're raising up, amen? amen. Think about that. Let him seek peace and pursue it. One of my favorite passages in scripture, Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, everyone personalize this this morning, live at peace with everyone. Amen. As far as it depends on you, your spouse may be on a, on a different plane and they may be dealing with unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and resentment, whatever it be. What does it depend on you? 
someone else in your family that's being a, a pickle and causing difficulty and causing havoc, it, as far as it depends on you. Someone in your work is causing issues with, with the team that you work with and whatever that looks like, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace. Pursue peace. Pursue God's peace on this earth. And that's the question that we ask. How do we do this? How do we continue to live these lives that God has called us into? And again, think about the people that, that Peter is writing as he's writing this in real time under this crazy dictator named Nero, Nero, who was nuts. The stuff that he would do to people. And he's telling the church back then, hey, continue to pursue peace. And here, here's what's gonna unlock it. This is how you do it. He actually, asks, he actually gives you the answer in the form of a question. He says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? If you're out there and you just keep doing good, at some point, people are either gonna think that you're crazy, right? Why do you keep doing good things? Why do you keep responding to me in a positive way? Why is it that you don't get pulled down into these depths? Why do you keep going out and serving people in the community? Why do you spend your time and energy and money on others and caring for others? What are they gonna do? How are they gonna harm you? At some point, in some place, in some time, they're gonna be like, man, something is different about that person. God help us. And he says, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Doesn't make any sense, does it? That even if you're even if you're being persecuted and even if people are saying things or making accusations against you, you stand for righteousness. And you're going to be blessed. Because the blessing might not come from that person. The blessing might not come from your company or your boss or whoever. But the, the blessings of God far away any blessing that any, anybody on this earth could ever give us. Amen. The blessings that God has in store for us. And he goes on to say, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. You don't need to have any more sleepless nights. You don't need to, to be up at night and your mind is just circulating and you're just obsessing about this person or this family or this situation. At night, you can confess your sins and say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I made mistakes today, but God, I confess those to you. And do you know that when you confess your sins, it's instantaneous. God forgives you of your sins. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to wait a minute or 30 minutes or 30 years. Instantaneous forgiveness from God. Then you can also say to God, as I put my head on this pillow tonight, God, help me to have an incredible night's sleep. Help me to put the worries of this world to the side and help me to get rest that I need so that when I wake up this morning, I'm gonna cling to your promises that your mercies are new every morning. And I know you have even more in store for my day tomorrow. And so God, I dedicate my, my evening to you in my sleep time and I dedicate all that you have in store for my tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Amen. He says this, in your hearts, Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. And make no mistake, I, you know that God laid this on Peter's heart for this specific reason in specific order. Maybe it's living with an unbelieving spouse, maybe it's dealing with something in your work, maybe it's dealing with something in your family, that as you continue to live out the life that God has called you to live, 
Again, at some point, someone's going to say to you, why don't you ever get upset? Why don't you ever lash out? Why don't you ever seek retaliation? And in that moment, in that time, is when the Holy Spirit is beginning to open the door for you to have those conversations. To say, let me tell you about the hope that I have. Yeah, sure, I'm not perfect. I don't get it all right, but I can tell you there is a joy and there's a peace in my heart that passes all human understanding. And it's because the gospel has come to me, because I know what Jesus has done for me, and that all my sins were placed upon his shoulders, and he defeated this world and all of its uncertainty for me so that I can keep my eyes fixed on him. And here's what I know as well. I know it's difficult, especially those of you that are, you're raising college students, you're raising teenagers, you're raising kids. And it seems like this just happens with every generation, right? You're, you're the parents and the grandparents, and we always say the same thing. We feel so bad for the next generation. Or how are they going to get through this? Or what is it that's going to happen to them? And is there any hope? And this is what you need to hear today. God has not stopped working. God is not stopped working in raising up the next generation of Christ followers who pursue justice, who pursue Jesus, who pursue love. Our job is to get them here to church. Our job is to pray with them. Our job is to, to get them in God's word and to point them to Jesus and then watch as the Holy Spirit does his work. And so today, you're about to watch a really cool example of this. In fact, this is a 10th grader. We're gonna show you a video in a moment of a 10th grader that attends here at Shepherd's Gate. And I know as you watch this video that this is going to encourage you. And so what I'm asking is that you will allow a 10th grader what the Holy Spirit is doing in a 10th grader's heart and life to minister to you and to challenge you and to uplift you, okay? Let's watch this together. Soccer is a really big hobby of mine. I spend a lot of my time doing it and that's where I see my friends most frequently and get to interact with them. So that's a really big part of how I get to share the gospel with other people. Right now we're in our high school season, which means we, um, we practice every night, usually have three games a week. Practices are about an hour and a half, two hours long. In the spring we have our club soccer season, which is then three practices a night, hour each. Hi, I'm Josh Price. I'm 15 in 10th grade. We've been attending Shepherd's Gate for about six years. I've played soccer since I was seven or eight. I attend Utica High School, and that's the team that I play for. I'm part of the Shepherd's Gate student group. They meet every other Wednesday, twice a month. Uh, when we get together, we usually gather for about 30 minutes to eat some food. Then we'll go into a room and hear a message from either Ben or Zane. After that, we split up into small groups and talk about the message. Last fall, I had invited some friends to attend Shepherd's Gate. They all said yes, they thought it would be some fun. They were all pretty excited. I don't think any of them were nervous, or at least they didn't tell me they were nervous, so they were all looking forward to coming. Two friends I'm really close friends to. We, um, for club season, travel and we have to stay in hotels. Oftentimes, while the rest of the team is doing whatever they're out doing, we're walking the halls just talking to each other. My one friend, I knew he, he could use God in his life, like just like we all can, and um, ever since he started coming, he's um, 
definitely grown closer. I feel like he's, at the beginning it was just a social thing for him that he enjoyed doing. Now he really desires to know God a lot more than he did when he started coming. Inviting people to Shepherd's Gate is an important part of sharing our faith with others because um, in the Bible, Jesus instructs us, Matthew 28, 19, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We can't make disciples if we aren't bringing people into the church. We're called not only to bring people to the faith, but also to build them up in the faith. And we do that by bringing them to church, by just simply inviting them. My family has been an important influence in all this. Um, my mom is the one who usually drives me to soccer practice every single day to get me in front of those kids and give me opportunities to share my faith with them. And my younger brother, Jake, also plays soccer. So my mom and my dad and my brother have all been a great family that surrounds me, that makes it a really comfortable living place and home and very open where we can talk about whatever we need to and discuss anything at the dinner table especially. I once heard of a, a missionary who went to a missionary conference and at that missionary conference there were a bunch of very, very powerful speakers who were also missionaries who went up on stage and talked about how they were called by God to enter into ministry. And then there was this, this one missionary who went up on stage and told his story and when he went up he said something along the lines of, I, I wasn't called by God individually, I didn't get a dream or a vision or receive any prophecy from God, rather he instructed me in the scriptures exactly what I am to do. So I got my motivation from the, the same thing, I don't feel as though I was directly called or spoken to by God to go and share my faith, but I know in the Bible it instructs us to, and we have this message, the beautiful message that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins when we weren't good enough, when we were in fact God's enemies, he chose to reconcile us to him through the death of his son. That, that message is too good to share. It's called the gospel, the good news for a reason. So we are commanded, in fact, in scripture to go and share this, this gospel with everyone else out there. If you're thinking about inviting any of your friends or anyone you know to church, I would definitely encourage you to do so. Because even though it can be hard to step out of that bubble of comfort that you may feel not sharing your faith, it is extremely beneficial to do so. And remember that it's, it's not our job to get them into the church, it's our job to give the invitation and God will do the rest of the work through the Holy Spirit within them. When I think about sharing my faith with my friends, I often worry that I'm going to be embarrassed in front of them because they don't have the same views as I do. I think as a culture and as a society, we kind of squash down the idea of sharing our religion with other people because we're afraid of what they might say or what they might think about what we're saying. It can be, this, this makes it really hard to sometimes share what we believe with other people, but it is extremely beneficial. In fact, that's why God puts us here on the earth. That is the reason that we are Christians and that's our calling as Christians, to go and live a life that shares Jesus with everyone. Isn't that incredible? The perspective that that young man has. I want my boys around that young man to influence him. God bless you, Josh. Thank you for sharing your story. And this is something that we're going to be introducing more and more in our church is stories from members of our church. But look at the way that the text ends, okay? Because this is, this is the key, and I think Josh has got this down. It says this, when we do this is that we do it with gentleness and respect. The same way God deals with us. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in mercy and he's called us by the gospel. He's loved us even when we were sinners. He died for us. 
Final two verses this morning. It says this, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for this opportunity to gather in your name. God, you know the heart of everyone in this room. You know the struggles that they face. You know the relationships that that they are in even now. God, thank you for the, the reminder this morning. Thank you for once again reminding us who we are in Christ and the forgiveness and salvation that we have in you because of the cross. God, and we also thank you for the reminder to to separate ourselves, to come on top of all the negativity and being sucked into a world that is constantly drawing us away from you and the influence and the positive influence that we can have. So God, we do pray, continue to unite us in this church. Continue to help us as a congregation to do good and to love our neighbors. God, we thank you that even this month we can collect supplies for for the WAVE project and, and to be able to once again live generously with everything that we have. And so, God, continue to order our steps as a church. But finally this morning, God, we do pray for this next generation coming up. God, we know that you're at work. We know that you're stirring the hearts of our young people here at Shepherd's Gate. So, God, we pray for for Ben and Zane who are leading our student ministries. We pray for, for Kim and for Jennifer and Reggie who are leading our kids' ministries and all of the volunteers that, that support them. God, put a hedge of protection around our students and our kids. And God, even humble us as we hear their testimonies and as they display to us the love that you've called us to in 1 Peter chapter 3. God, we pray all of these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.